Welcome back to Round Guy Radio, and we are taking a little look at some of the primary elections that are going to be uh, here in southeast Iowa. We're on the phone with, is it Chauncey Molding? Yes, sir, Chauncey Molding. Okay, so you are uh, currently the Jefferson County Attorney? I am, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Mr. Johnson, this morning. I appreciate uh, you taking some time. Well, we want to let our listeners, you know, get a little information about the people and uh who's doing things. So my first question is, uh, why are you the right guy for this job? Well, yes, sir. That's a good question. Probably, uh, probably if I can't answer that, I shouldn't have this job, right? Um, I'm the, uh, the county attorney. I uh, took this position in January of 2019. So I've been going up uh, against my, my first re-election campaign. Um, I've been doing it in just about four years. And in the last four years, I think we've had some pretty good successes in my office. Um, I ran on a, a platform of uh, doing a number of things to, to change uh, the way things have been done as far as prosecution and law enforcement. I think uh, we've been able to pick a fair amount of boxes with that regard. Um, we've instituted some some new programs. We've changed some of the focuses, but also, you know, we've also maintained uh, what amounted to a very good record of, of success uh, from the previous administration. Um, so my, uh, I'm pretty proud of the, uh, the work that my office does here. Um, and I, I think that it would so, be uh, a pleasure to, to continue in this uh, position. So let me, let me ask you just a little bit about yourself and your background. Where are you from? Where did you go to school? And, and what, uh, what made you decide to even run for this office in the first place? Sure. Well, uh, so I was actually, uh, my parents met at the university uh, here in Fairfield back in the 70s. Um, my dad was from San Francisco, and they moved back there, and I was born in California. But um, they, you know, didn't want to raise their, their kids in a, a big city environment. So uh, when I was eight, they moved back here. We bought some land and uh, kind of grew up in, in Fairfield. I graduated from MSAE back in 2002. Um, and then, uh, you know, Fairfield's my hometown, essentially. Um, went to Iowa for a while. Uh, this was back in, uh, 03, 04, the, the war was going on and, uh, kind of wanted to do my part. So I, uh, ended up joining the Coast Guard, um, did a, a tour of duty with them for about four years, focused on, uh, a whole bunch of stuff, search and rescue, kind of caught interdiction, did a whole bunch of work down in South America with boats and airplanes, tracking down cocaine smugglers for a while, which was a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, I ended up wanting to come back to the Midwest, so. Did that, uh, got a degree, went to law school, practiced uh, um, while I was in law school in a couple of different prosecutors' offices. And at the end of the day, I always kind of knew I wanted to be a prosecutor going to law school because of the, um, I don't know how to put this, but the the obligations and duties that, that a defense attorney has um, are different than the responsibilities of a prosecutor. Um, you know, the, the duty of a prosecutor is to seek justice, the duty of a defense attorney is to uh, serve the interests of his client. And sometimes, um, you know, defense attorneys have a very important and very noble job, but also um, some of the hardest jobs in the world. You know, you know your guy's guilty, you know your guy did, your guy did it, and you know that this guy is just, uh, you know, uh, a problem to the community. Well, you can't do anything about that because your obligation, your responsibility is to him and to, you know, get the best outcome possible for him, whether he's, you know, um, blight on the community or, or a stand-up guy. So um, being a prosecutor, you know, let's, uh, I always say this, I, I sleep very well at night with the, the decisions that uh, I make. Because frankly, when, it, when a case comes across my desk, um, 
you know, if, if it's not right, it's not right. I can get rid of it. The defense attorney can't just get rid of a, a case because it's a problem. So, the, you know, the ability to have that discretion, have that um, flexibility uh, is why I wanted to be a prosecutor. Well, you, you mentioned so my, that, uh, Sorry? You mentioned that you, you, you sleep well. Uh, from talking to some of the prior county attorneys, they didn't always get some sleep. There was people waking them up all hours of the night because this or that happened. Uh, is that still the case? Well, I'll, I'll phrase it like this. Uh, I sleep well, but not long. Right. Um, and that's another kind of fun part of the, uh, the job. So, um, after law school, I, I, uh, worked for the, the judicial branch. I was, uh, was known as a, a law clerk, which is somebody that, you know, works, um, with uh, the judges in the district court to, um, help in processing cases, help writing, uh, opinions, help researching the law, um, things along those lines. And yeah, I was working on a, I was working a trial uh, one time with the judge and just kind of uh, listening to some evidence. And there was a, an investigator up there that, you know, was, was doing some things. And we were just kind of talking about it. And I was, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking how the, how the case had gone. It was a cold case that had uh, um, been around for a while. And, you know, me and the judge started talking about it. And um, just like, you're got a lot of opinions on how this is wrong. What do you want to do with your life, Joffrey? I'm like, well, I was kind of kicking around a couple of different ideas, honestly, uh, an application in to a couple of federal law enforcement agencies, and we're, we're thinking about going that route. And the judge told me, he was like, well, you know, the prosecutor job opened in, uh, in Keiko County, and, you know, it's not, not the same thing as being an FBI agent, but it's kind of the closest thing to, you know, being, um, you know, solving mysteries and, and working to effectuate justice uh, uh, from, from that side, from a law enforcement perspective, while still being a lawyer. So... Went up there and interviewed with John Schrader uh, in Keuka County, who had been uh, the county attorney there since the 70s, uh, just an excellent man, so kind of a mentor of mine. Um, and we got along, and he hired me, but I think I'm kind of throwing it on a little bit. To answer your question, yeah, the, the, the nights are short sometimes, but that's honestly one of the best parts of the job. And it's not, I'm not wild about it when my phone rings at 3.30 in the morning because it means it's, you know, a problem or, or something going on, but it also means I get to, you know, haul out of bed and go solve some mystery stuff. Well, crime is one of the biggest topics in America right now. It seems to be a, a tremendous uh, increase in crime, uh, not maybe around here, but, uh, you know, across the country. So what is the level of crime in Jefferson County? That's a good question. So stats are, stats are tricky things, um, and society being what it is, you know, it's any statistics from 2019 were obviously thrown off by 2000 when you know, everybody was staying home. There was an, an, an absolute and an objective decrease in the number of criminal acts across the board in 2000, um, but not not completely across the board, right? Everybody's kind of uh, buttoned up in their homes, um, increases in, in alcoholism and, and, and the drug use that, and the stuff that goes along with that uh, went up, you know, when people are trapped in a, in a house together, domestic violence increased, um, some, some kind of crimes of despair increased. And, um, so because of the kind of uh, curveball that COVID threw us, I don't know that statistics for 2000 and 2001 are um, really kind of comparable to those of, let's say, 1819. Um, but here in 2022, and you know, obviously 2021, there's, there's been... Um, some major crimes that have happened in Fairfield, but across the, as a, I tell this to people all the time, you know, bad things happen um, on a pretty regular basis. 
Um, and sometimes they're going to happen to us, right? Sometimes we get lucky, but that just because we're having, you know, uh, some, some issues come up doesn't mean that, that the world is a, you know, a dangerous place here. Um, it just means our attention is focused on it. So, um, I would say that Fairfield is definitely still a safe place to live. Um, and the, the national crime rates that have been going up, you know, they, they boil down to us here too, but it's, it's certainly something we're keeping an eye on, but it's not anything that people make a panic about. Certainly something we need to put our attention on and, and try and focus on um, addressing some of these issues. So how is, uh, how is uh, your relationship with uh, the, the Jefferson County law enforcement? Is it a good working relationship? Absolutely. I've got the, uh, the support of essentially everybody in the, uh, the law center except for uh, there's, there's one or two holdouts. But my relationship with um, the peace officers in this county is, uh, is fantastic. Well, I think that's – That would be essential, is a good working relationship with the law enforcement. Absolutely. The guys on the line, they call me and, and they've got my, you know, cell phone. They call me all the time and uh, we've got an excellent working relationship. They know that they can count on me for uh, anything that comes up. Well, after a couple of years of shutdown, alcoholism and drug use in America has skyrocketed. And uh, oh, yeah. we're seeing a lot more alcohol and uh, drug related crime. And then a lot of this, Fentanyl that comes across the border unchecked all the time uh, is uh, sometimes winds up in the veins of the teenagers around here. And uh, I've had a lot of parents that lost a lot of a lot of my friends that had children that have gone off, you know, lost their lives to that or to suicide or to to a lot of the yeah. other problems. Uh, how does that? How is that? Uh, is there any? effort or anything that can be done on the, your side or the law enforcement side to try to address these issues or try to get a hold of them? Or maybe is there some rehab facilities or something around that's, uh, that can help some of that? That's it. Pinpointing a very uh, clear issue that we're wrestling with, right? And so I can take a couple of minutes and talk about this. You know, we, um, in the old days, you know, um, meth was a problem and meth was domestic. And we'd have guys, you know, cooking it up in a, in a shed in their backyard or stuck in their basement or whatever. And, you know, a lot of times we wouldn't even know it was there until there was an explosion or a fire and somebody got hurt. And, um, we were able to, not we, uh, the, the state was able to effectuate some, some laws in um, consideration and, and cooperation with the federal government to try and limit the uh, ability of local kind of meth cooks to access precursor chemicals. Have you noticed if you cruise on down to you know uh, Walmart and you try and buy some cold medicine that contains some of the precursor uh, uh, chemicals, you got to show your driver's license and, and there's guys from the uh, uh, state narcotics uh, bureau that watch that in real time and we see the same guys buying you know boxes here, boxes there, boxes over here. You know that that hangs on a, on a computer and we kind of know what's going on. So um, some interesting and, and effective legislation coupled with some you know technological innovations have been able to get a handle more or less on the domestic methamphetamine production um, side of things. Now, it's obviously, you know, still happens, but I, I, I think that um, the vast, vast majority of the methamphetamine that we see on the side of the road or, or in a raid comes from uh, over the border. Um, and that's because, you know, instead of having to go around to five different shops and buy, buy some medicine, um, they'll just get a, a shipment of, uh, you know, precursor uh, chemicals from China, you know, by the boatload. Uh, cook it up in a in a an industrial style lab uh, in Mexico, and then hike uh, across the border. And that stuff is incredibly pure, and pr- incredibly potent, and becoming um, more cheap because you know uh, the volumes of uh, production, uh, the rules of scale, and all. 
that is certainly a, a trend that has been happening with the with the meth supply. Fentanyl is a, again another one of those issues where it's, it's produced uh, overseas and it's dangerous and it's um, deadly and it's potent. Um, I mean, we're talking we're talking poison here. Um, these these are these are monsters that we have to wrestle with and realities that we have to wrestle with. Um, so, from my perspective, one of the things that we kind of focused on. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of take a, a pause here. Um, it's, sometimes it's really hard for me, based on the, the nature of my position, to talk about my successes in, in cases and stuff because, you know, uh, a successful case that I'm very proud of um, is a professional success for me, but it involves, uh, you know, an absolute tragedy for the family involved. So I don't ever want to be seen as, as um, you know, Dishonoring their their loss by talking about it in a, in a political campaign, but generally speaking, um, I'm really proud of the uh, the focus we've had on prosecuting um, drug-induced homicides. I call them so. Um, one, you know, fear of getting caught, fear of getting in trouble, um, fear of prosecution, and, and the police is really one of the only things um, that we have from a from a, a perspective of trying to. Uh, limit these things. You know, drug dealers. Why do drug dealers uh, get out of the game? Well, they're afraid of getting caught or killed, right? Um, so, prosecuting people who deliver controlled substances that result in overdoses, result in death, um, is difficult. It's nuanced. There are some laws that a defendant can rely on in order to try and um, get out of such prosecution, such as Good Samaritan Law, which, don't get me wrong, is an excellent law. The Good Samaritan Law is the law that says. If you are at a, you know, say you're at a party um, and somebody injects a, an unknown substance and they start overdosing and dying, um, that you can call 911. Uh, the police and paramedics will come. They will, you know, provide medical care and treatment to the person in, in trouble, and no uh, prosecution will arise from that if you've done everything right. You have to stay there. You have to cooperate with law enforcement, all those things. Um, that being said, um, it's really important to underline the idea that if you deliver controlled substances to somebody and they take them and they die, that you uh, just committed a homicide. And my office has had some great successes in prosecuting those cases. And hopefully that kind of message is, is getting across that, you know, um, drugs are dangerous. Um, fentanyl is in everything. You know, it's a, it's a, um, uh, it's an opioid, you know, it, it has been used to cut heroin, um, in order to make, you know, the, uh, why last a little longer step on it it's what it's called um you know you, you cut it with the wrong thing and you might end up killing your friend or killing somebody you don't know um and that's that's on you you know you can't say i didn't know um and now it's coming into it's coming into meth it's, it's, it's being uh, tracked and other things it is a very very um potent chemical and incredibly dangerous especially when you're talking about people who don't necessarily have their their head screwed on straight um, trying to, you know, measure out, you know, the difference between a tenth of a, you know, whatever the, the dosing amount is, you know, screw that up once and you just killed a couple of friends. So, um, from my perspective, making these people afraid of getting it wrong and hurting somebody and going to prison for the next, you know, 15 years, um, that's, that's something I am, uh, pleased with my office's successes on. And I said 15 years, one of the, uh, the struggles that I've had, and I'm actually, 
I'm on the legislative committee, the prosecutor's legislative committee, which is a group of prosecutors that meet um, up at Des Moines a few times a year, and we have a lobbyist, and we push for changes in the law to effectuate justice. Basically, it's, it's blind prosecutors like myself, county attorneys that are in this stuff every day, and we go in there and we basically vent about what we've encountered that's just making our jobs hard or impossible to do. One of the things I was very frustrated with last year is this concept that, um, you know, if I'm a, I'm a drug dealer and I deliver to you, uh, you know, a, a syringe full of a controlled substance, that's a, say it's mass. Well, that's a, that's a C felony if it's less than five grams. That's a, that's a felony that can get me in prison for 10 years. Now, if you inject that into your arm and it kills you, I'm also, uh, I've committed a homicide. I've committed manslaughter. The, the punishment for me delivering those drugs that kills you is five years in prison. The punishment for delivering the drugs themselves is 10 years. And I think that's a completely skewed uh, a consideration by the legislature, and we're fighting to fix that. Yeah. Well, that, that is... Uh, I'm glad to, to see that there's some common sense in government. There's, there seems to be, at least at the national level, absolutely none. Uh, right. Well, let, let me ask you this. Uh, Jefferson County is very close to Missouri, very close to Illinois. Uh, in Missouri... Marijuana is legal for medical uses. In Illinois, it's legal for recreation uses. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I guess they're not, don't want to gain any revenue or anything from it. Is marijuana a problem? Should it be illegal? Should there be some kind of standardization between, you've got three states with three different laws all within, you know, 30, 60 minutes of you. How does that, how do, how do you, uh, where do you fall on that? Well, I say this all the time. I'm, a, I'm not a policy guy. I'm a law guy, right? People ask me the way things should be. Um, well, I've got plenty of my own personal opinions, but, you know, uh, it's not my job to have opinions about what things should be. It's my opinion. It's my job to have things uh, do the, the, the job with the, the rules that are set forth in front of me. That being said, I do have some discretion in how things are enforced, and there are some kind of nuances in, in marijuana law in Iowa. What we have passed some, some medical... Um, uh, avenues, I call them. Um, I, I'm not entirely up on the details, but obviously marijuana itself from a recreational perspective is illegal. From a medical perspective, you can't have plant material. Um, you asked how I think how I think things are going, what direction they're going. I think it's absolutely inevitable that the federal government um, uh, at least deschedule uh, marijuana as a controlled substance sometime uh, in the not-too-distant future. Frankly, I'm a little bit surprised myself that it still is scheduled. Um, you know, talking politics. If I was a if I was a strategist, I would have. Uh, I I was a had a running bet with a friend of mine. I, I thought that Donald Trump would deschedule marijuana like in October of 2020 as a, a bid to get reelected. And I was more surprised to see that. Um, so you're right. It's a it's a patchwork, and um, we're here in Iowa. You're right. Um, a number of our neighboring states um, have completely different policies, and a lot of the uh, controlled substances that are seized uh, in this county. You know, they still have the packaging on it from Colorado, Illinois, places like that. Um, as far as prosecution, my office has implemented a, a diversion program because, like I said, I, I think this thing is going to be um, a non-issue in the very near future. Um, and the diversion program was intended to prevent people uh, who are caught with small amounts of marijuana from having that on their record if they're able to jump through a couple of uh, prescribed hoops, um, get a substance evaluation, provide a a uh, clean drug test, um, pay off the uh, cost, cost of prosecution, cost of court, comply with any necessary or, or ordered uh, treatment from that substance use evaluation. 
and over after if they can jump through uh, a set of hoops uh, provided by them by the lawyer um, within a, a set period of time, six months, then they will have their case dismissed well, and they can have it expunged. Um, and so that goal, because the law is still the law in Iowa, it's still a crime. Um, but that that goal is to essentially minimize the damage of anybody having possession and, and getting caught up in a legal realm with that. Oh, yeah. Is it a problem? You know, it's it's a problem like alcohol is a problem from my perspective. You know, um, it's it's something that that is you know it's not something that should be glorified or glamorized. Um, but I'll tell you that there's a lot bigger problems that we wrestle with. Okay. So another problem that seems to have been uh, the last couple of years affecting the problem was we have these what starts out to be a peaceful protest that gets out of control. And yep. we see sometimes millions of dollars worth of damage. Uh, I remember, you know, there was a, a, a group of people that went to Oklahoma that tried to start a, a, a bunch of problems and the law enforcement just crushed that. Then you got these other cities that just let it go. Just hell, just have, just have the chop district or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, where do you come down on all this uh, protesting becoming? Where was that in Oklahoma? I'd like to read about that story. Yeah, I, I, I well, I saw it on the news that uh, they, they kind of, they kind of stopped it. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, people do have the right to, to protest, but they certainly don't have the oh, right sure. to pick up a brick and throw it through a window or hit an old man with a <laughs> with a with a, a two by four. You know, uh, I know we haven't, you know, had so many of those kind of protests here, but. Uh, uh, Mr. Johnson, we have freedom of freedom of speech and freedom of assembly in this country. We don't have the freedom to start fires and throw bricks. I'll tell you that much for sure. Well, I recall in uh, in June of 2020, um, there was a, a protest that was organized. I guess it was a protest or rally, whatever you want to call it. I think sometimes the, the linguistics on these things don't really matter. But well, you know, words are obviously important. It was a bunch of people that were getting together to express their their you know constitutional rights to, to assemble and, and um, protest. Um, I made it very clear to the assemblers and, and organizers of that, um, that operation that um, we're not going to have any fires in Fairfield, Iowa tonight. Um, and I, I think uh, that that assembly was peaceful. Um, anybody who's going around starting fires and throwing bricks um, would have had the world, the weight of the world come down on top of them. Um, we don't put up with that. that well, that's, that's good in my opinion. I mean, I, I hate to see that kind of thing just get started, you know. But uh, Right. Right. Well, we've been talking to, to Chauncey Molding. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And uh, he is a, a candidate for Jefferson County Attorney. He is the current Jefferson County Attorney running for re-election. When is the primary? So that's a little complicated. Um, the early voting, they call it early voting. They call it absentee voting. It starts on May 17th. Um, but that, while they call it absentee voting, you can do it in the courthouse. So you can do it just like you would normally. Otherwise, on June 7th is the actual date of the primary. That's where you would vote in your regular precinct. Um, and so it, it's a Democratic primary. Um, uh, me and my opponent are both on the Democratic ticket. So in order to vote in that primary, uh, you need to be a Democratic uh, registered Democrat. However, you can become a registered Democrat on the date of the primary if you want to be involved. Um, but if you are a registered Republican and you want to stay a registered Republican, you wouldn't be able to voice your, uh, your voice in this, uh, in this election. So um, I'm, I'm asking that anybody who's interested in this race um, kind of take a look at those dates. Um, May 17th is when early voting starts. June 7th is the primary. And um, yeah, you can, you can um, uh, change your voter affiliation on the date of the primary if that's uh, something you're so inclined to do. 
Well, we've enjoyed talking to you. Is there anything that we didn't get to talk about that you wanted to talk about? Um, I look being a being the prosecuting attorney in the town you grow up in has to be one of the best jobs in the world. Um, I, I'm proud of the work that my office does. I would love to be your county attorney for another four years. Thank you for your time, sir. Well, we sure appreciate having you on the program. Uh, you were very up upfront, forthright, and and uh, people heard what you had to say. They can like it or not like it, but they can't say that you didn't uh, uh, give them a chance to hear you. And we hear it uh-huh. really, really, okay. really appreciate I, I stand that. By my by my uh, my word on these things, right? I mean, I, one of the natures of my job is to you know, you piss people off. But it's kind of if you're afraid to do that, you shouldn't have this job. But um, anybody who's got an issue with it, I would be happy to discuss because frankly, I, I, I think that I have an obligation to, to be available to the people that have problems with the way my office is going to run, you know? Well, let's, let's end this up, but I'm going to ask you a question that, that's, uh, what do you do to blow off steam or what do you enjoy? Do you like baseball or fishing <laughs> or playing pool? What, what, what do you do when, when, uh, you need some downtime? I like to ride motorcycles fast and, uh, watch football. Well, those are two activities I certainly approve of. Well, uh, this has been uh, Round Guy Radio with a little uh, election information. Uh, We really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Have a good day. All right. This has been Round Guy Radio with news that you can use that won't give you the blues. And Thanks for listening.